0: When I'm sick, the first thing I do is call and complain to my mom, who normally replies with the insightful suggestion that I go to the doctor. One of the things I was really worried about coming to college was what I was going to do if I got sick. I was spoiled when I lived at home because my mom would take care of me, but in college I kind of have to fend for myself. Also, the consequences of missing class are a lot greater in college than they were in high school. Welcome to the sixth episode of The Hookup. I'm Morgan Keeler.
1: And I'm JT Lindsay. We've been doing this show for nearly two months now. And in those two months, there have been a lot of late nights, stressful pitch meetings, and nights where I've eaten Cliff Bars for dinner just to save time. It's been a reminder to both of us that sometimes college and all of our other obligations can take a toll on more than just our schedules or job prospects. It can affect our health. Taking on all of the responsibilities of being a young adult means that our priorities easily get out of whack. Grades get put before getting sleep, parties get put before maintaining our mental health, and P. Terry's becomes a suitable substitute for eating even somewhat healthy. This week on the podcast, we want to explore a few different aspects of health on campus, how students stay healthy, find help, and how they work to promote the health of their fellow Longhorns.
0: Now, we all know that it's best to get eight hours of sleep a night, but while nine out of 10 doctors may agree on that, 10 out of 10 college students agree that it's easier said than done. James Mishmash has a story on the impact of sleep on our own health and why students may not get the full picture.
2: If you ask me, waking up is the hardest part of the day, and if you have to wake up only a few hours after you go to sleep, that just makes the day even worse. Almost every college student knows the struggles of staying up until 3am to study or party, or wake up for that dreadful 8am. Sometimes when students joke about the amount of sleep they get, they don't realize the effect that their lack of sleep can have on their health. According to Dr. Lawrence Epstein of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, Adequate sleep is essential to feeling awake and alert, maintaining good health, and working at peak performance. And after two weeks of sleeping six hours or less a night, students feel as bad and perform as poorly as someone who has gone without sleep for 48 hours. I know a lot of students, including me, who would love to get six hours of sleep each night, and many students, like Abby Milik, a government and Spanish double major, were surprised by Dr. Epstein's statement.
3: Wow, so I didn't really expect that to be true that, like, when you go two weeks with getting six hours of sleep a night, that it would be the same as staying up for 48 hours straight. But definitely, now that I know that, I can kind of tell, like, whenever I go a long time without getting much sleep per night, it definitely affects me mentally and physically. Like, I start to feel sick.
2: While the doctor's idea of six hours of sleep a night seems great, oftentimes for us college students, it seems more unrealistic. The closest thing we get to dreaming some nights is daydreaming about the sleep we could get. For Ann Wynn, an engineering major, six hours is a rare occasion.
4: I get around four to five hours a night because of school. And so I'm an engineer, and engineering is hard, and I probably... Don't prioritize sleep as much as I should because I like if I'm not working, I'm doing something for an extracurricular org, or I'm trying to like hang out with friends. It's really hard to balance the sleep, social life, and school like triangle. And it's something I'm working on, but I think I get enough sleep to get by on weekdays.
2: I think we can all feel and struggle. Four to five hours of sleep is a pretty common practice on campus, whether it's because of a night of partying or a night of studying. But Carter Adams, a government major, doesn't suffer from college sleep deprivation, getting more sleep than anyone I know.
1: So I personally get at least nine and a half hours of sleep every single night, and it feels amazing, and I feel amazing. And then I, my peers around me, they get like five, three hours, and I'm like, yeah, they're, they're definitely not having fun there. So uh, I think, I think eight to nine hours is ideal. For for students during during
2: college, and do you think like sleep does affect like your mental and physical health? Oh, definitely, a hundred
1: percent, no question. That's not even nope. That, that's why I get nine and a half hours a night because I know that it affects me.
2: Candace Baker also sees sleep as a crucial part of her overall health, and had a few words to say about why she values getting a good amount of sleep, though it doesn't always happen.
5: So, sleep is really important to me personally because. It's so important to living a healthy lifestyle. There have been a lot of studies that have shown that when you don't get enough sleep, your health is adversely affected. And so for me, that getting a good night's sleep seems like a pretty simple way to at least like maintain somewhat of a healthy lifestyle.
2: And while many people think of staying healthy by going to the gym or working out or eating healthy, most students probably don't think of sleep having similar benefits on health as well.
5: So I've felt like my mental health has definitely changed because of my college sleep schedule. I know that when there are days that I don't get a lot of sleep because I'm studying or I'm working on an assignment, I I worry a lot, and I think I, I just feel bummed out, and I always have to remind myself, okay, like, just go to sleep.
2: So students obviously know that sleep affects their overall health in both positive and negative ways, and most of the time when students don't get enough, who do they blame? Professors. Whether it's too much reading, a big essay, or a test, students can normally find a reason to put the blame on the professors, though sometimes Netflix seems to get in my way. Because of this reaction, I asked Professor Elon Lang, a professor in the College of Liberal Arts, if professors take students sleep patterns and health into consideration, and whether or not he could tell when students don't get enough of it.
0: One of the things that I always uh, notice as I run my relatively small discussion sections of 20 people or so um, is who hasn't slept because they tend to nod off even during the most engaging discussions about Milton or Um, what have you,
2: but he said he understands the pain,
0: you know, I remember my own experience as a college student Um, and actually as a as a parent and an instructor myself how I'm often uh, trying to do my job on um, uh, Less sleep than I would like um So I try to be sympathetic
2: Ann Wynn told us about her hectic sleep schedule, and she goes to bat for the professors and knows that it's us, the students, that need to prioritize our health.
4: I mean, I don't think all professors are, like, evil, and they're like, I'm going to give you work so you can suffer. I mean, they're human, too, so they understand, like, we need sleep to, like, function. But, like, ultimately, it's up to, like, me to divide my work. So I don't think they're, like, purposely trying to give us a lot of work.
2: Talking about health on campus normally leads to conversations about mental and physical health in terms of therapy services, yoga memberships, and all in between. But getting a good night's rest is the foundation for optimal health. We've heard from students who sleep more than or far less than medically recommended. So don't just try to eat healthy, try to sleep healthy.
1: Green explored one of the mental health promotion resources we have right here on campus, the Mind Body Lab. Hopefully, what she discovered will help us all find a little zen.
6: This is the busiest part of the semester. Students are studying hard. all just need a moment to center ourselves and remember the importance of self-care. Lucky for us, the university provides a safe haven just for that, a place where students can just breathe. I spoke with Elena Beiser, the Integrated Health Counselor and Technology Initiatives Coordinator at the Counseling and Mental Health Center about the Mind Body Lab.
7: The Mind Body Lab is really a self-guided environment that's designed to help students explore various resources that can help improve both their physical and emotional well-being. Um, so most of the content there is experiential. Uh, we have um, iPods that have different audio and video tracks. We have biofeedback devices. On the iPods, there are different categories uh, that include things like breathing exercises, guided imagery, um, specific things that one could try to benefit their health and well-being, such as, like, headache management, anxiety management, pain management. There are a lot of uh, tracks for meditation for people who may have heard about mindfulness but never actually meditated. So there are different types of um, guided meditations. There are guided um, muscle relaxations, progressive muscle relaxations that students can do. And most of the content is experiential, so students can go in there and actually learn the
6: various techniques. In my first experience, I walked in the room, lounged in the chair and listened to peaceful meditation on spotify i spoke with a chemical engineering graduate student who had a more interesting first experience
8: Uh, i think it's interesting to to learn some information like uh, on the on the information tutorial on the guided tutorial this thing gives me like uh I I never know that like uh, our breath pattern are actually related to how stressed we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, this thing can measure how many breathes are you doing Mm -hmm. each minute. I'm just a a very curious person. I'm uh, like, I went to a session uh, held by a therapist uh, in the center. Mm -hmm. I forgot her name, but she teaches us some uh, uh, table massage uh, tricks like uh, using a squash ball and stuff. And in the end of the session, she introduced uh, all the resources the uh, the university provides to students. And then I went online Uh, and checked the website, Mm -hmm. and found this thing looks interesting to me, so I decided to come and give it a try to find out what it is.
6: She wanted to fully immerse herself in the mind-body lab, so she decided to do more.
8: I think they offer offer two different instruments. I've tried Mm -hmm. one this time. I think I will try another one Mm -hmm. next time. So
6: you'll definitely be back?
8: Yeah, actually, I might... Go to the front desk and try another instrument uh, right now. Oh, right now? Okay. Yeah, yeah, after the interview. Oh. The
6: graduate student and Biser both talked to me about the Mind Body Lab's most popular device, the Respirate, which aids with breathing. I was shocked to find out something as simple as slower breathing could prevent high blood pressure.
7: Um, respirate monitors breathing and helps students see the difference between their typical breathing rate. And then as you're actually using the device, it kind of prompts you to take slower, deeper breaths. And so then you're able, through this feedback, to kind of see, well, maybe I came in and I was taking 20 breaths a minute, but then as i slowly kind of ramped into taking slower, deeper breaths, now I'm taking nine breaths a minute. Okay, so not so much mindfulness, but actually, um I mean, the The idea is that we know um based on the nervous system that when we're taking um faster shallower breaths that that really um is kind of um puts our body in a state of feeling it's, it's what we would equate with feeling more distress and we know that basically moving to a state of having deeper um, slower breaths right when we're we're breathing um fewer fewer breaths per minute we're taking deeper um Less frequent breaths, then we know that that really stimulates, stimulates having a more relaxed physical state in the body.
6: From aiding in basic body processes, such as breathing, to solving true college kid problems, such as a lack of sleep, the Mind Body Lab has a variety of resources to help you, and it's all self regulated.
7: And what we're trying to cultivate in the lab is really a sense that everybody is their own expert of what's best for them. And so we really encourage students to come in, try different, um, you know, different clips, different content, um, that you know, the different biofeedback tools, and really validate for themselves what's what what they feel is best for them. Because you know, it's really an acknowledgement that what might be really wonderful for one student might really not do it for another.
6: No one knows you or your problems better than yourself. If the stresses of the world got you down, or if you need a moment to be alone without a book in sight, or if you're just curious, come to the Mind Body Lab. There are two locations at the Student Services Building on the fifth floor and the Student Activity Center on the second floor. Being in college can keep us busy to the point where we can't drop everything and go to those locations, but it is imperative to care for yourself, to just stop for a moment and breathe
0: a lot is made of our efforts to keep ourselves healthy debbie nahi spoke to some longhorns that have made it their life's goal to keep the rest of us feeling well by studying nursing I'm so proud of all these people because I am so afraid of blood and needles that I would pass out if I even took one class.
9: The medical field is such an important line of work because unlike most industries, everyone's going to need a doctor or nurse's help at some point. They are people who have dedicated their lives to learning about the human body and how to treat it. Many of those people are right here on the 40 acres, those in nursing and pharmacy schools, or those in pre-med programs. I sat down to talk with a few of those students. Nursing sophomore Summer Smith was attracted to the prospect of being a nurse because it allows her to get to know her patients and help them on a personal level.
10: So I actually um, didn't want to be a nursing major originally. I wanted to do, um, I actually wanted to be a therapist, um, but, my dad got a hold of me and was like, nobody wants to go to a young therapist, like it, you'll take forever to make any real money. And so I wound up switching to nursing. Um, and then I just kind of fell in love with it. I really like talking to people and getting to know people. And um, you get to do that with nursing. Whereas when you go into like, um, medical school to become a doctor, it's a lot more about um, fixing the diseases, prescribing the medications to get rid of people's illnesses instead of treating um, the, the side effects of those illnesses. So like you're not treating pneumonia whenever you're a nurse, you're treating um, that person's stress. You're trying to decrease that and help them um, learn how to take their medication and learn how to um, cope with being in the hospital and things like that. I just love getting to know people and helping take care of people and you get to do that with nursing.
9: Sophomore nursing student, Carly Looksack's reasons for getting into the profession are much more personal.
3: My mom was actually the one that told me, Carly, I know you want to do med, and I know you're possibly thinking pre-med, but I really think you should consider nursing. And then I looked into it too, and I was like, yeah, I really think this fits me as a person because, you know, I was a creative person too, but I really did feel like my heart belonged taking care of people. Um, I'm going to try to become a nurse practitioner, which is an advanced practice nurse. I don't know exactly which area I want to go into yet because I haven't, I'm a sophomore, I haven't done my clinicals in hospitals yet, but I do know that I'm very interested in pediatrics and acute care, and I'm actually doing research right now over pediatric autism. So that's another thing that really interests me.
4: Tell us about that.
3: Well, my little brother has Asperger's syndrome, which is a very high-functioning form of the autism spectrum disorder. And seeing him grow up over time and seeing his struggles, like he's grown out of a lot of his struggles, but it kind of gave me insight and the ability to empathize with people that are on the spectrum.
9: Mental health is vital to our well-being, but it's a subject that people don't necessarily talk about. Carly explains that our mental health is just as important as everything else we rely on to survive, even the food we put in our bodies.
3: So mental health and just your mental status plays a huge role into your health as a whole. So if that one part is missing, like not eating and not um, going to a therapy appointment might have the same weight on you, essentially. Physiological stress has actual physical effects on your immune system, on your brain, on pretty much every part of your body. So if one little part is off and you're not taking care of yourself, it'll, it can screw everything up.
9: Carly took the time to dispel some common misconceptions people tend to have about the nursing profession.
3: Nurses actually have a lot of autonomy, and they keep doctors in check, and I have a lot of respect for all members of the medical field, but I really have a lot of respect for my fellow nurses because I know that they truly care about their patients, and I know that they're caring about their holistic health, whereas, like, again, doctors are great, but doctors in general are just giving orders. They're not as connected to the patient
9: summer explains that while doctors are tasked with treating illnesses in the moment nurses dedicate themselves to treating the patient in a variety of ways in the long term
10: the doctor comes in assesses like what's going wrong at the time um and monitors um monitors your sickness levels just tries to get rid of the actual physical ailment when nurses they're not prescribing medication or diagnosing things. They're in there to see what you need and give you your medication that was prescribed, and then see how you tolerate that and see how you're like let you know about the signs and symptoms of things like that. So you're taking um, more taking care of the person instead of just getting rid of pneumonia or strep or the flu things like that.
9: But while the path to becoming a nurse is a difficult one, both Carly and Summer wholeheartedly believe it's worth the challenges they face.
3: I feel like it's, like, within me to help people, and I feel like this is taking a major step towards actually doing something I feel is already a part of me. Like, I've just been learning nursing. I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually a part of me. I am already a nurse. Like, they're actually, like, socializing us to become nurses. And, um, like, it is hard, but yes, it is worth it.
10: Sometimes the work does seem like it's totally not worth it, but when you go back and take a second to think about how, how, lucky you are to to be passionate about something that's taking care of other people and knowing that you're going to be able to do that for such a long time and and just knowing that you can follow your passion is awesome like it's incredible um because lots of people don't get that that privilege but the work is definitely worth what the outcome is going to be
9: Nursing and other medical studies require hours upon hours of reading and time spent in labs, and sometimes students within those fields feel removed from campus because of the work they do. But these students are connected to everyone's lives because they are learning how to take care of people in their family, on campus, and in their communities. While they're here on the 40 Acres, nursing students balance studying for their future careers with helping to bring their medical knowledge to their peers right now. Carly and Summer will soon be nurses, but they're currently ambassadors to the whole campus, making sure that we're healthy in more ways than one, physically, emotionally, and mentally.
0: That's all for this week's episode of The Hookup. Next week on the podcast, we've taken inspiration from a UT student who recently went viral for explaining the horror that was her first test. Be sure to tune in when we tell stories of other crazy things that have happened to Longhorns.
1: Be sure to subscribe to this and all of our other podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Just search The Daily Texan.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at Texan Podcast, and you can also find more news online at DailyTexanOnline.com.
1: Our reporters this week were James Mismash, Fasia Green and Debbie Nehi-Query.